listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Man, I know where we're at. I'm aware of where we are. We're in Lubbock, Texas. I'm real smart. I identified that. I at least know where I live. And because I know that we're in Lubbock, Texas, I know some of us are a little sore from the game Sunday, um, not physically, but in our, in our hearts, in our very souls, in the very core of our being, uh, we're hurting. And I just want to let you know I'm here for you. I'm a pastor. I can counsel you through this hard time um, if you need it. But, hey, man, what a, what a um, turn of events. We really was really rooting for and hoping that Mahomes would get another Super Bowl ring uh, as, as he is truly our um, Mahomey, uh, and he always will be, even when he loses a Super Bowl game really badly. Um, but it's also good, I think, just overall as a football fan um, to, to see the, the GOAT uh, get him another one. Uh, and sometimes you just got to get kicked by the GOAT. It just happens. And you pick yourself back up and you, and you go for it next year. But I, I got to tell you, I was, uh, I was excited about the game. But I was really okay with whatever outcome, which was a good thing as, as, it, as it turned out to be. Um, but I, I will tell you, and she's not here in this room um, but there was someone all of a sudden, after a few of you had showed up, I saw, you know, some tech jerseys, some like actual, um, like my home jerseys, like number 15, all that stuff. But eventually someone came in here with a Tom Brady jersey on and, and there was something that just happened in my soul that started getting stirred up, you know, and angry and upset. And, and on top of that, it was a Patriots Tom Brady jersey. And like, that's a double whammy, right? And so like, I just realized I don't even want to sit next to that person in that seat because what she stands for is just so against everything that I believe in. And I'm just going to keep my distance uh, from her. And some of you know who I'm talking about. And, and obviously, um, I'm joking. But way, way, way more important uh, than, than who we were rooting for Sunday um, and maybe a disagreement on who that should be. My goodness, do we not see in the world, in the church, even in the journey, the people you know, discussions we have, do we not see so many um, opportunities to disagree? <laughs> maybe, maybe things <laughs> that make you not even want to sit in the same row as someone here because you disagree. You're so diametrically opposed to what they believe in. And so as we've been in our series, Who Am I?, the Imago Dei, which means the image of God. We've talked about a few key important things, and we started with the baseline understanding from week one that to be created in the image of God means a few things, but we walked through Genesis chapter one, and we discovered that first, to be in the image of God means that, we're the, that we are the pinnacle of God's creation. We're the best he saved for last. We discovered that we're not actually created for ourselves. We're created by God, but for God and for his glory. And then we discover that when God created us, even though we sin and we mess up, he didn't just say whoops and hit the cancel or reset. He actually still wants us. He, he says, I, I want you. You belong to me. We belong to God. And so from that, 
What that means is that's how you see yourself because that's how God sees us and that's how you see others because that's how God sees them. And so we touched on, not touched on, we talked very thoroughly about the concept of racism, harboring bitter thoughts or negativity towards someone else because of the color of their skin and not the content of their character or anything that they've done. And I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to any of those first two sermons, please do, uh, not because I think that they're so awesome, but you may be a little bit, I think tonight's sermon's gonna make sense, but you may be a little bit lost, and they are very purposefully placed in this order because I knew how we generally think about things. And so tonight, we're not talking about Mahomes and, and, and Brady. That would be a much uh, more lighthearted sermon, maybe about 10 minutes, and we're done, which some of you would appreciate. <laughs> but tonight, we're talking about the issue of politics. Can someone who votes Republican and Democrat sit in the same pew, in the same line of chairs? Well, I'm pews in here, so line of chairs, so to speak. Can you be friends? Can you talk to one another after the election? <laughs> the answer is yes, by the way. Um, I think what really we need to get down to, starting in week one of this series to week two, to here we are, Here's what I think's underneath that, and this is this question. Because of the image of God, because of the Imago Dei, how should Christians approach political issues? All right, so we're gonna dive into this. For those of you that did like Bible drill growing up, this is your night, okay? Like you are gonna seize the day. People are gonna look at you with amazement and think that you're the most mature Christian ever because we have a lot of different places that we're gonna be in the Bible. For those of you that have not, and maybe you're a little uncomfortable with reading the Bible or opening it up. Hey, still, I'm so glad you're here. It's a safe place for that. We're on in our journey, hashtag journey. Um, but what you can do is like go to the table of contents at the beginning of any Bible. There's an ESV black Bible in front of you. And as I say the names of these books, you can go there and find them that way by the page number. And so every now and then, I just wanna give us, get, uh, help you out a little bit if you're new to reading scripture. I will also say, um, you guys did not see me over there because uh, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather tonight and just because of the time that we're in, definitely gonna distance from you guys. So if I seem a little low energy or off, it's because I am. <laughs> and so y'all bear with me, but still very excited to be with you tonight. Um, you guys turn to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. And while you're there, also turn to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. As soon as I said I was sick, like I started like coughing. It's kind of funny. All right, here we go. Proverbs 16. 33, it says this, again, the question is, because of the image of God, how should Christians approach political issues? <clears throat> the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 21.1, it says this. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. And so what scripture is telling us it's a, hey, 
It may seem like things are up to chance. The lot is cast into the left. How can I modernize the concept of, of what is a lot? Well, let's just, let's just modernize this. It'd be like rolling a dice and numbers one through six means something. Whatever it lands on, number one is we're gonna go to Paladura today. Number two, like we're gonna stay in Lubbock. Number three, and so on and so on and so on. And so what it's saying is that even if you were to roll that dice and you think it's up for chance, that God knows. He knows that every decision is from him. He knows what's going to happen. And then in 21, one in Proverbs, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he was saying, man, who's ever ruling, whoever is actually king or thinks he's king or, or queen, actually their heart is in the hands of the Lord. Like he's gonna actually determine in his sovereign will and his decree everything that happens. He's in total control. And though, now go over to Romans chapter 13, verse two. Romans 13, verse two. It's in the New Testament after the book of Acts before 1 Corinthians. Romans 13, two says this. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Again, it says authorities, they're in place. Yes, even evil authorities. Good authorities, righteous authorities, whatever, are there under the mighty sovereign hand of God because what God has appointed for that time and his wisdom and his sovereignty, he gets to decide that. And so because of the image of God, how should Christians approach political issues? First, what we need to do as a baseline, we need to submit to God's sovereignty and the governing authorities. These two work together. So to resist the authorities is to resist what our sovereign God has appointed. Okay, and so after the dust has settled, no matter where you're at, Joe Biden is in the office of the president under the sovereign hand of God, and Donald Trump was before him, and Barack Obama before him. That happens underneath God's sovereignty. God's not up in heaven like, oh my gosh, oh me. Like, oh my God, because he's God, oh me. Like, he's, he's okay. Like, God is fine. He's got this figured out. And so to resist that is to resist God, and I saw this modeled so well in my time in, in East Asia. I had Chinese brothers and sisters who were underneath a communism regime. It doesn't always have to be this way, but it lended toward a dictatorship style of governing. And so what, how they navigated this is so we should submit to authorities so long as those authorities don't require us by law to disobey God's law. And so what the churches overseas a lot of times do is they want you to be government recognized, government recognized so they can control what you teach. Make sure you're not telling people to preach the gospel, for example. That's actually something that they say. And so what do a lot of Chinese Christians do? They meet in house churches. And that is technically illegal because the law put in place that they have to be government recognized is preventing them from obeying God. Does that make sense? Can I get a thumbs up? Okay, check this out though. So many of the things that their government does is good. The government keeps the roads clean. The government makes sure that there's not trash everywhere. The government employs officers 
and officials to oversee things. And so um, my, my Christian friends over there, although they had to defy the government for the sake of obeying God's law in a house church, they still, if they ran a business, paid appropriate taxes. <laughs> they still obeyed the law. And, and so I, I'm just, I'm looking at, at, um, at Christians in China and North Korea, and I'm saying, man, if they can submit to the government, if they can do that, we can too. And so it's, if, we, if we have this hesitation in us to, 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 to feel sorry for ourselves, I just I look at the Christians in North Korea and China and see what they're doing. I'm like, guys, we gotta grow up. <laughs> we gotta grow up. We have it so much easier. And to that, a lot of people right now, I'm hearing this a lot, but, well, big brother, that's government, is infringing on my freedom. We, we need another modern revolution. We need to shake up things again. And I would just ask you to, to look at, at Jesus, and he had the power and authority to start a revolution and win. He said that to Pilate. He looks at Pilate like the governor, the one who's going to oversee his crucifixion, and says, you only have power because God gave it to you. Like, you wouldn't have it. And he, he said multiple times he could call down legions of, of armies and take over. He had the power to do it. But what did he do? Instead, he preached about his kingdom that was not of this world. The kingdom that you and I are supposed to be loyal to, friends, is not the red, white, and blue kingdom, but the kingdom of God that transcends time, that's eternal, and it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. By the way, even if you were gonna worship an earthly kingdom, like, don't worship our nation. Like, I've only been around a few hundred years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, talk about a kingdom that can be shaken. Talk about a kingdom that is being shaken right now. <clears throat> So Christians should submit to God's sovereignty and his governing authorities. Take a water break. I want you guys to turn to Titus chapter three, verses one through two. Titus chapter three, verses one through two. If you know where First Timothy is, then there's Second Timothy. And then Titus. There weren't two different Timothys. One wasn't called First Timothy two. It's like two different letters written to him. I don't know if any of you thought that, but if you did, there you go. Titus chapter three, verses one through two. All right, here we go. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people because of the image of God, because of the way he's created you and me and all the wonderful things that are true about us just because we're created by God. Guess what? How should we approach political issues? Christians, stop being a jerk. Stop being a jerk. I'm gonna repeat verse two. To speak evil of no one. Oh, they're a communist because they voted for Biden. Maybe they just voted. To avoid quarreling. You know how to use fighting words. To be gentle. Looking at social media, maybe you need to just Google what gentle means. I don't think people even know what it means anymore. And to show perfect courtesy toward all people. 
Christians. You gotta stop being a jerk. You know, there's this guy at Howard Payne University, it's where I got my undergrad, and he was one of those guys that like every opportunity he got, like you could be talking about hamburgers and he would somehow start a serious theological conversation. Y'all know anybody like that? Or like wants to start like a debate? Like you can be talking about, I mean, anything, your favorite ice cream, whatever. Why are all my examples food? Anyway, very telling. Um, <laughs> and so he would somehow change the discussion to be in a serious theological conversation. And he had one issue that he always wanted to talk about. And you know what? The fact is that years later, uh, I actually agree with him. But the way he was saying it, like he was being a jerk because of the way he was talking about it, I positioned myself to be opposed to him because he was being a jerk. Friends, you can say the right thing the wrong way. Did you know that? I have to battle that all the time. If I need to have a serious conversation with one of you about something that happened or maybe something you're going through, I... A lot of times I have to speak truth <laughs> into your lives if we meet in my office or somewhere, meet coffee, whatever. But I gotta watch how I say it. <laughs> You're gonna be like, Cole's a jerk, he doesn't care about me. <laughs> so many times, and people have to do that for me too. And so you can say the right thing the wrong way, and when you do, guess what, people won't listen to you. I get to experience every single time I say a point when I'm preaching in a way that's not gracious. I get to see everyone's face check out. It's an amazing experience. And so I know, trust me, firsthand, it's worth going and doing the work to make sure that you say things the right way. And so if when Trump was in office, you were always positive about everything, and now that Biden is in office, you're convinced of all these various conspiracy theories all of a sudden now? Not 2016, 2020, like that, that's, that's a problem. And what we do is we come off like a jerk who just didn't get their way this election year. That, that goes both ways. 2016, if you, didn't, if you voted for, for Clinton and, and Trump won, and then all of a sudden, all these conspiracy theories must be out there. That must be the explanation for why we lost. Man, it's, it's, a, it's a bad look. You're ruining your, your testimony. And I know, I know, here, you don't understand, Cole, like this, this stuff fires me up. Like we just, sometimes we just gotta, gotta lay down truth. And I'd ask you, okay, you wanna lay down truth? When was the last time you shared the gospel? Because that's what I've been talking about since August. And I haven't had anybody initiate with me. Hey, Cole, when are you ready to go out on campus? It's been me. So we're out there laying down truth, the word of truth, and the one who calls himself truth, Jesus. He's waiting for you to, to, to care about that. Does that make sense? I just don't understand how a Christian could ever vote for a Democrat. Well, that's not fair. How would you like it if someone said, I just don't understand how a Christian could own a Confederate flag? Or I just don't understand how a Christian could care more about open carry laws than they do about police brutality. That's not fair. Issue's way bigger than that. Or, or I don't know how a Christian could care more about building the economy than children being separated from their parents at the Texas border. 
I don't know of people that are actually saying that. That's an unfair caricature. It's this inflated thing. Y'all know what a caricature is, right? Caricature. It's this inflated thing that's mimicking the appearance. Like if I was a caricature, that'd be really funny, right? It mimics my appearance, but it's not the real thing. Is that fair? Is that fair to say those things? Those are fighting words, aren't they? Who has siblings in this room? Uh Uh-huh. You know how to get them mad, don't you? These things are how you make someone mad. I just don't understand how. I can't recall at the moment, but I can guarantee you if I started that, those words with Caitlin, there was a fight ensuing, and I was probably going to lose <laughs> or be wrong. <laughs> I got news for you. One day before the Lord, we're going to be surprised about how many things we were wrong about that we thought we were right in. That's Republicans, that's Democrats, it's independents. And maybe some of you in this room who just don't care. And that's okay. I didn't care about politics either in college. If you think there will only be Republicans in heaven, or if you think that there will only be Democrats in heaven, heaven just might be hell for you. So friends, we gotta be gracious. We gotta be gracious with our words and actions. I don't, want, I don't want to see you in heaven like in the fetal position like, oh, no, I was wrong. <laughs> like, like, I just want to tell you now, it's going to be beautiful. Like, and we're going to have glorified bodies. And you're not even going to be thinking about that crap. I'm not supposed to say crap, sorry. That stuff. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> you're going to be beholding Jesus. That's why last week when I said we were talking about racism, we're coming under the supremacy of Jesus Christ who is king of kings and lord of lords. Homeboy knew he was about to be the king of kings and lord of lords and still allowed himself to be crucified for us. He's our king. These things matter, but they, they don't warrant attacking other people that will be in heaven with you. No way, never. So Christians, we gotta stop being jerks. Because of the image of God, we gotta stop being jerks. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Katie Ritchie, good call on the second water bottle. I was skeptical at first. <laughs> if you're there, say, hey. There we go. That's enough for me. All right. First of all, that's the words, not me saying it. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Because of the image of God, friends, Christians should pray for governing authorities. Like, this is all people. In high positions, low positions, things in between. Like not, not just who we like. And, and praying to be people of, of, of peace. You see that? Our leaders here who are in their positions are there so that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life. Godly and dignified in every single way. All right, we're going to do this. Y'all ready? 
We're going to get some exercise in. Everyone stand up. You don't really have to exercise. For those of you, like, that's like a traumatic thing. Like, oh, no. Like, don't worry. We're not going to exercise. I heard he does CrossFit. We're in trouble. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this book is called Body Broken. Can Republicans and Democrats sit in the same pew? One, I want to share with you a resource. I believe it's pretty, like, non-biased, neutral. Um, and also, I want you to know I'm not just up here like, hmm, this point sounds good. Like, No, like I, I actually work at some of these things that we talk about. And so I read a story here, and we're going to do what they did in this story. And so I think this will be very, I think this will be very telling for us. In the midst of giving a commitment, commencement address, a speaker asked everyone to rise. Oh, we're doing it. <laughs> he then said, and this is where you will apply this. Those of you who do not know the name of your state governor, please sit and remain seated. Like you can't say it right now. I look at you, call you on the spot, you can't say it. Sit down. Who is the state governor? Really? Oh, man, I got to sit down. I'm just joking. All right, sit and remain seated if that's you. Don't be ashamed. All right. It said some sat down. So some, you're a part of this story. Good job. Then he said, those of you who do not know the name of at least one of your state senators in Texas, please sit. So if I came up to you and just asked, what are one of... The U.S. senators representing Texas, what is one of their names? You can't answer. You sit down. Okay? Good. Now, now if you can't name both of them, sit down. Don't use your phone. Who are they? Huh? Nope. You can sit down. Sorry. If you did not say Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, you can sit down. By the way, this isn't, this isn't supposed to shame you. Did you know, Curtis? Dude, this is your moment, bro. This is perhaps the moment for which you were created. <laughs> All right. Those of you who do not in Lubbock, Texas, know the name of your Texas State Senator, District Representative, District 26. Please sit down if you do not know his name. All right. You know? District 26. Okay. James? Charles? Huh? Charles Perry, District 26. All right, thank you guys. Y'all give it up for yourselves. Y'all give it up for yourselves. All right, Governor Greg Abbott, United States Senators representing Texas, Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, State Senator, District 28, Lubbock's District, Charles Perry. Who knows our mayor in Lubbock? Dan Pope, all right. We know Pope because of all the COVID stuff he had to do. Poor guy. 
Oh, hang on a second. There's a communion cup still sitting on there. That's weird. All right. Hey, how many people were left standing? One. I think you got close to the name. District 26. District 28, I'm sorry. Lubbock's District, Charles Perry. Okay. Friends, let me ask you this. If we don't even know the names of these people, how in the world can we be praying for them? Friends, if, can I ask that you not pretend to know a lot about politics when you don't even know the names of these people? They're in the most basic forms of government, the ones most directly related to you. You can talk politics, but don't act like a know-it-all. Rewind, I'm out there with you. Second question, name a state senator. You know what I just did? I sat down. I wanted to go through that theatrically so that you could get a good laugh. Guys, I, I didn't know. I was reading that book, and, and I didn't know. Like, I even had, I got on the websites, and I was like, wait, is, is that state or you? Yeah, like, I was, I was confused. So, again, we can talk about these things. But one of the most basic things that the Scriptures ask us to do is to be praying. And so what? Or what I've learned this week, the conviction that I've had is like, hey, hey, Cole, you don't, you don't get to have an hour-long conversation about politics unless you've had an hour of prayer for your political leaders. That seems fair, doesn't it? What productive could you have to say that's gonna change the world if you're not praying for them? You notice nowhere in Scripture says, hey, Talk about politics and church everywhere and it'll change the world. No, it's like pray, plead to God for the salvation of your leaders that they would lead in mighty and righteous leadership that some of their leadership would reflect the character and the image of God. I'm gonna stand up now if that's cool. (laughs) So many leaders are corrupt and abuse their power, right? Agreed? Leaders? So we shouldn't pray for them, right? (laughs) Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus says, even pray for your enemies and those who persecute you. And so if we were to say, I'm not going to pray for those that we don't like or we think are doing bad things, like, like, like Jesus is like, like, wrong, wrong. You know what's amazing? Like, I, I, I know I kind of didn't mean to trick you into this. I do think there is corruption out there. I do think there is abuse of power. But I think there are. Hear me out here. If you look at the sum total of everyone who is like an elected leader, someone who has power and influence in our structure of government, I think a majority of them actually have a perspective like they, they want to help people. I think sometimes that can get warped as you're trying to work your way up. But I think the majority are in it because they actually want to make the world better. I think they're trying to make 1 Timothy 2 a reality. They're trying to govern the world so that we can live quiet, peaceful lives, not chaotic and lawless lives. And I I got a, a really good 
perspective. I um, texted my father-in-law. He serves as a district judge in District, district 32 um, and lives in Sweetwater, Texas that covers the surrounding area. And I asked him, what, what are the most rewarding parts about being in a position of power and influence and what are maybe some of the most challenging? Y'all hear this out. He says, the most rewarding are the words of encouragement. He said, people will take time to say they appreciate how you do your job. It's really cool when it has come from someone who's been through court before and maybe didn't appreciate me at the time, but later they see how it was best for them. That's cool. He said the most challenging or frustrating are those people who seem to think that because he's a judge, someone in authority, that he doesn't have the everyday problems and issues that we all face. As if he just gets to sit in the chair all day and like a perfect world. Um, he says it feels like, it's, it seems to insinuate that my life is automatically easier and stress-free because I have achieved some level of recognition. He says it's probably true that everyone else's life problems seem easier than our own. We just don't know what burdens they are carrying. And friends, I have to tell you, I know that's one story. But man, if you know someone, like when you see Jeremy who works here, man, thank him. When you know someone that's doing that, thank them. Because I, I think that's the sentiment of a lot of people. I think that none of us can imagine what burdens most of our governing leaders carry, especially the majority of them who I, I believe are people who actually care. And so that's why we, we pray for them. Maybe you don't learn all these names, but, but maybe I know a lot of you are tech students in the room or college students of some kind um, or have been in the past, whatever. You've benefited from the leadership of the city of Lubbock and, and their governing authorities. And so maybe pray for them. If even Jesus prays for those he says he doesn't like, he said, pray for your enemies, and we can pray for all leaders. And so be like Jesus and pray for them. I want you guys to turn to Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 to 31. Ezekiel 22, 23 to 31. Remember the question is, because of the image of God, how should Christians approach political issues? Ezekiel 22, 23 to 31. I'm gonna read this for us. And the word of the Lord came to me. By the way, we're gonna be in Ezekiel this Sunday, so you're gonna get a really good word on that. And the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained upon in the day of indignation. The conspiracy ever prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and Dividing lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has actually not spoken. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and the needy and have extorted from the sojourner without justice. That's a foreigner, a refugee. And I sought for a man, listen to this, 
And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Found none. Therefore I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord. And so because of the image of God, what are we learning from Ezekiel now? Christians should stand in the gap. And here's what I mean by this. There goes the card, awesome. In this context, what's happening here, God was looking for just one person to stand up and push back evil. Like he's talking about the prophets were corrupt, the priests were corrupt, the kings and the rulers, like all of them were corrupt and letting evil happen right before them and profiting from this evil. And no one was there to say enough and stand up for justice and righteousness. And, and may this not, may this not be true in our day. See, friends, standing in the gap, let me flesh this out more. What this means is there's always going to be a gap between the perfect rule of God and what anything the government does in their leadership. There's going to be a gap. There's going to be things that they can't possibly account for. No matter if they're red or blue, you tracking with me? Like there's going to be things and issues they can't accommodate for. We live in a sinful, evil world. You just, you just can't tackle every issue. That's why what's probably going to happen is the pendulum's just going to just swing back and forth until we become more unified, and especially Christians in the church can come under the supremacy of Christ because people are going to selfishly vote for their chosen issues one year, and then the other chosen issues that got neglected get, get the next four years and the next four years. That's what's happening. But in the story of Ezekiel, it's like no one was standing in the gap. And that's what we have to do, church. We have to stand in the gap. Even the best of the best will lead imperfectly. There will be a gap. God calls his people to stand in that place and meet those needs that are there. I think about Bobby Kite. Bobby Kite did a podcast with us back in the fall, and we, we talked about the issue of sex and dating, but she works for um, Park Ridge. That is a clinic here in town that takes care of and counsels and, and talks through, um, really just takes care of, of women that are pregnant. And they're in a place where honestly they're thinking about their options. And so in a, in a political realm, this, this covers the, the topic of, of abortion. It's very, um, it's polarizing. And, and I'll, I've said it before, I, I want to I care for the, the woman that's having the baby and also the baby. But yes, I, I, I do think like abortion, I think the, the act is sinful. I do. But here's, here's, where, here's where we get into it, and that shouldn't surprise any of you. But, but here's what Bobby's telling us. That this is so, so helpful. One way Christians fall short in standing in the gap is we, we dehumanize the pregnant mother and focus solely on the baby. Focus on the baby's good, but we dehumanize the mother. Like one, In one uh, conversation piece, there was a conservative, now all of a sudden referring to the mother as the host. No, she's a person. Like, call her a human being. Call her created in the image of God. Bobby Kite shared with me that most women who come in, um, by the way, she's just counseling these women. She's just talking to them through these things. 
and, and she said most of the women she discovers that are in a hard situation, they're pregnant, out of wedlock, not when they wanted to be, they, they actually don't want to abort their babies. <laughs> they know it's wrong. But they're terrified to bring a child into this world and the messy, chaotic life that they already live. And so one of the ways, this is so beautiful. Bobby affirms what I affirm. Like, man, like, gosh, what, what in the evil of our day? The concept of killing the unborn. But here's what she says. One way Bobby steps into the gap is she provides care and counseling for women. She preaches the gospel over them when they feel scared or isolated and like they don't have any hopeful options. She's actually available to anyone in this room that may be struggling with that. And by the way, it says that in the American church, about one in four women have gone through this or are going through this. So I'm going to maybe assume that this is a fairly touchy, heartfelt subject for at least someone in this room. And while I want us to be a ministry of people that, that stand in that gap, and in order to do that, you know what, what Bobby's doing? She's making people her mission, not politics. That's what she's doing. She's saying, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. What does that look like? In my role on this earth, it looks like caring for pregnant mothers who are in a really tough spot and counseling them with as much godly wisdom and praying for them as much as I can. Does that make sense? Can I give a thumbs up? That's a beautiful example of standing in the gap. And so standing in the gap means people are your mission, not your politics. Make people your mission. And so, so some of you are like, you're saying Christians are literally supposed to take care of every single issue that the government doesn't take care of. Like, we're literally responsible for this big of a gap. Let me take a water break. That's a long answer. Thanks for the question, though. Really good. Really insightful. No. Yes, no. Just joking. Are we supposed to take care of that gap? What I'm saying is what the Apostle James says. Not James over there, but the Apostle James. <laughs> James says that pure religion is to, to care for orphans and widows. To have the heart of Christ toward those in need. It's those who are willing to, to get off their high horse and their, and, their, and their debates about lofty ideas and they're never doing anything for anybody and get a little bit muddy, get in the gap and help people. Grab their hands, pick them up and help them. It's standing in the gap on your campus, the gap of how more and more and more the common worldview of your day is that there is no God and it doesn't even matter and it has no ramifications whatsoever. When people who die apart from Christ will go to hell for eternity. We gotta stand in that gap. And it's knowing all the while that we did that, that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, stood in the widest, largest gap that's ever existed. And that's the gap between me and you and God because of our sin. And with arms stretched wide, he stood in that gap and died for our sins. He took all the punishment and wrath that we deserved, and he died for us, and he stretched out and made a bridge between us and God so that we could live in harmony and relationship with one another. That's the vertical gap that Jesus took care of, and he calls us to step into the horizontal gap. We love God, we worship him, we believe in the gospel, and when he saves us, he saves us to serve. He saves us for a purpose, and we step in that gap, and we love neighbor. It's the good Samaritan, just like last week, to have compassion.
I'm gonna let the band come up and they'll lead us here in just a minute. So how, how should Christians approach political issues? Christians, we, we must stand in the gap. We re- when we learn the ways of Jesus, what we recognize is that things labeled political are, are actually just biblical concerns that reflect the very heart of God. Don't, don't let politics hijack Christian issues. Does that make sense? Don't let them pretend, don't let anyone pretend that, that, oh, that originated here. No. It's because you're creating the image of God that even when you try to ignore it and try to drown out all the issues by whatever chosen social media app you want to just indulge in, even when you try to just drown this stuff out, what? The reason it bothers you, to be honest, is because you're creating the image of God. God created you to step out into this and do something about it. And so, friends, it's time to stop being so political and start getting biblical. We're living in a time where you may feel pressure to wear the colors of, of red or blue, to put the image of an, an elephant or a donkey on your shirt, but God is calling us, friends, to boast in his image stamped upon each and every single one of us. Boast not in the image of red or blue, but boast in the image of God stamped on me and you. Let's pray. God, may this truth resound in our hearts. Lord, may we step in the gap. We thank you for Jesus for stepping in the gap for us and our sin, reconciling us to you through faith in the gospel. And I pray because of the love you've shown to us, we wanna show that love to others. God, may we be a unified body coming under the supremacy and lordship of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.